fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about crashing the World Health Organization with my friend Vienno. I wish it were just crashing the world. Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm just going to crash it into something, you know? Well, I thought, like, the the whole world is a party that we're showing up to, uninvited. <laughs> yeah, that's true all the time. All day, every day. <laughs> How are you, Vienna? The world's a party, and I'm just showing up. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, just, like, desperately um, fearing the onset of daylight savings. Um, really, (laughs) really not looking forward to that. Uh, it already gets dark too early. Um, but beyond that, you know, I'm here. I'm alive. Yeah. How are you? Good. You know, we, I think it was last episode, we remarked about, like, catching up, and you'll be like, we'll never catch up. I think we've, like, caught up. So, uh, you, you thought we would jinx it, and we have not. Unless we die mid-record. Then... <laughs> Sorry, Jody, I just got a phone call. I gotta go. Yeah. I... <laughs> nope, you're now stuck for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Nothing will stop us. I've been tricked. Yes, but uh, at least, I mean, if anything does happen, I think this is going to be a shorter episode. So uh, I also should say, I was slightly worried about our last record of having some people be like, uh, we took one side or the other side too hard in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. But I have not heard any of those voices. So, uh, uh, and it doesn't seem like our viewer dr- uh, dropped. So. <laughs> so all is well, I guess. We'll see. But uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, continuing to tune in. And uh, I-, I promise you, no Ukraine stuff today, at least. So there is that. There is that. And now, there's the show. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. We are covering the week of October 17th till October 21st. And on the 17th, Ezra begins with some of his Emergency Act inquiry coverage. But you will notice as we go through this week, he doesn't have a lot to say. They invested in the Airbnb. They're hanging around. But literally their only coverage of the first week of the Emergency Act inquiry is that one of the witnesses who was against the truckers was kind of like a color, like they had dyed hair and were like the model of your typical SJW and they spend most of the time just harassing her for how she looks and the fact that she is a you know a left-wing social justice warrior and that's pretty much their entire coverage I'll look at her with dyed hair and pronouns yeah and like most of their harassment to this person too like they of course followed them after they were done uh, you know, doing their job, uh, like, at the inquiry, being witnesses. 
and Rebel would follow them outside the court and harass them. And at one point, their lawyer pushed the Rebel cameraman uh, or camerawoman away. And, of course, Rebel's coverage of that was, we were assaulted by one of the witnesses' lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, like, I love how, you know, they hype this whole thing up and their coverage so far is to mock someone and then, like, claim that they're the victims of assault uh, after they harass these people. So, great start to the coverage. Can't wait for the next three or so weeks that we're going to get out of this. <laughs> I am really, like, thankful in some respects that it's so boring and they can't, like, capitalize on it at all. Because it really is just, like, they're not going to make their money back on this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to assess because I think, like, there's a part of the trucker contingent that is, like, watching this very intently. And they might mm-hmm. be the same people who donate to Rebel. It's just like, it's more like they can't recruit off of this, I think, is the the interesting thing. Yeah. Because it's like, it doesn't have the bells and whistles, which is why they have to, like, sell it by, like, we were assaulted, you know. Rather than on the merit of anything that was actually said at the inquiry. Yeah, or, like, just any occurrences during the inquiry, like... Yeah, it's just, like, boring legal proceedings. And who knows? Like, again, uh, this was just the first week, so we'll see. Because the second week of the inquiry has already happened, but of course we haven't covered Ezra's coverage of it yet. But I'm sure, like, more things will happen. But this first week was just listening mostly to the witnesses. Uh, And, you know, it's hard. Like, what are they, like, you know... I think there's an element, and it's the same way where it was difficult for Alex Jones to, like, sort of attack the witnesses, you know, <laughs> or, like, the attack the family members of the uh, the children who died in Sandy Hook. It's very difficult for, like, Ezra to attack the people who were citizens in Ottawa who really did not like the fact that these truckers were there harassing them, you know? Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the coverage. So then what we get is their coverage of the WHO. So on top of the fact that they were getting the Airbnb in Ottawa, they were really hyped that they were sending people to Berlin to cover this World Health Organization uh, put on uh, like summit put on by the UN. So they were really happy that they were sending this team there. And this is the nickname that Ezra gives for the team that's going to Berlin. But we are in another nation's capital too. Did you notice that five of our people are in Berlin. Here's a gorgeous picture of our, I call them Ezra's angels, Drea Humphrey, Tamara Ugolini, and Alexa Lavoie, along with two support staff, Ed and Guillaume. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so it's Ezra's angels, you know, like a little bit of a creepy sexism there. But then also, I just like everyone going is is a woman except for Guillaume. <laughs> the lone, had to remember his name. Yeah, the lone dude. But just like, why do they always have to make this shit like just creepy? Ezra's angels. That is so sad too. Like just, it's dated. You know, like you it's just like <laughs> pathetic. You know. Yeah. It's super pathetic. Yeah. She's like, hey, we're making hip, cool references. 
Ezra's Angels. You know, the hit. Yeah, I don't even know when that show was on, the 70s? <laughs> yeah. The hit 50-year-old show, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. So so hip and so cool. So up to, yeah, so up to date, so, yeah. I, here's the, the other thing that annoys me about all this coverage, is they send people all the way to Berlin, they send Ezra's Angels to go cover this thing, and you would think that they would have something of substance to report about what happened at the WHO. But again, there's none of their coverage has to do with the actual stuff that was talked about at the WHO. None of it had to do with, because when we covered last week, we talked about the fact that he was hoping to like interview people from the, the country of Africa. <laughs> right? He was... <laughs> Uh, or third world countries uh, like China and India was like his his main goal. This is like how he framed it. He was going to ask them these like biting questions about the mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. Now, we get none of that. But what we get instead is this interaction that Tamara has with Tedros, who who's the head of the WHO. Now... We will get to that coverage, or, or exactly what happened between the two of them. But first, I guess, we'll listen to Ezra set up that chance encounter. And Tamara Ugolini, who has been following the medicine and the science very carefully, wouldn't she know it, she just happened to bump into Dr. Tedros, the head of the World Health Organization. Now, give me a second. Dr. Tedros is not a doctor. He's a PhD, but he's not an MD. If you're the head of the World Health Organization, you call yourself Dr. Tedros, you're deceiving people by making them believe that you are a medical doctor. The head of the World Health Organization is not a medical doctor. He's He is actually, in his home country, he's actually accused of being a war criminal. He was installed uh, at the head of the World Health Organization by China. And it shows he helped cover up for China when the Wuhan virus broke loose. With the first thing, what do you think Tedros has a degree in? Public health, I assume. He has a PhD in public health with a master's in immunology. So So why is he the head of the WHO? Why is the head of the WHO someone with a doctorate in the thing that's about the social policies that mitigate disease rather than an actual practicing medical doctor who won't know those things. Well, I mean, but that's the thing. At one point, he literally says, like, he didn't go to medical school. He doesn't have, like, a degree in heart surgery and, like, all this stuff. And then I'm like, why would you need that as the WHO? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> there's a reason that, like, like, and it obviously goes the other way, right? Because it's like Dr. Oz. Yeah. Very good heart surgeon. You can give him that. Horrific for public health. What, like, was, what was the guy who ran against Trump as well, who I think was a brain surgeon, uh, who um, eventually got a role in the administration? I can't remember his name. Yeah, I feel like it's... God, I don't remember. Ben something? Ben Carson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same same exact thing, because everyone was like, how could he be so 
stupid and yet a brain surgeon and it's like because he's probably really good at the surgery like he's hyper his intelligence is very hyper specific you know mm-hmm. but either way the so the other thing here is is tedros a war criminal now that to me is a, a question that i don't think i am qualified to answer or not he is or was involved with a portion of the uh, government of Ethiopia. He was a member of the Tigray People's Liberation Front. And there's some question Mm -hmm. as to whether they participated in various types of uh, acts that could be considered war crimes. Uh, Ethiopia has a lot of stuff going on that I am super not qualified to weigh in (laughs) on. But that being said, considering how not many sources are saying that he is in fact a war criminal but rebel news is adopting it that feels to me a little bit suspicious but i i still am going to remain a little bit agnostic until maybe i spend even a little bit of time reading up on ethiopia but a little hard to get like the history of ethiopia <laughs> before doing this show so because it seems complicated not gonna not gonna lie yeah and like he was part of government with like like with the the TPLF. Well, that's the one thing I was going to say is like a lot of the criticism seems to be just the mere fact that he was a part of the government. But that doesn't mean that he was the one who directly did any of the things that they say that they alleged the government did. But like again, I don't know enough, you know. Yeah. And when I say they say, what I'm talking about is the opposition forces in Ethiopia that oppose the government. So it's like... The TPLF isn't in government anymore, though. The government yes. kicked them out of the coalition to then go to genocide in Tigray. Like... Well, that's why I'm yeah. saying. I but yeah, no it, is, it, is, I it is messy and complicated, <laughs> for sure. You know what I mean? Me going in there without any information about who's who and what all the, who's done what to who. I'm just like, I, I'm not qualified to answer this question. It just yeah. seems like... Again, most of the sources that I looked at seemed to all be right-wing conspiracy people being the one call- the ones calling him a war criminal. And that itself makes me suspicious, even though mm-hmm. given what's going on in Ethiopia and the fact that he was a part of some government, there's probably some shit that you could connect to him. I, d- I don't doubt that. Yeah. Now, the part about China appoint- appointing him to the WHO, that's just bullshit. I mean... He was elected through the UN to fulfill that position, and he did so at the backing of China. But that doesn't mean that, like, China was the sole arbiter of, like, you get this position, right? In fact, he had to get most of the countries of Africa supported him, as well as countries affiliated with China. And that basically overwhelmed the sort of, like, uh, I guess, group that it was like the UK and the US who opposed his nomination. But like, that doesn't mean that China handpicked him any more than the other people in the continent of Africa handpicked him, you know? Yeah. But again, and, and that's all just a fear monger because this virus came from China. So it's like, well, for one, there's the constant China hatred from them. But two, it's like, well, then he must be part of the nefarious Wuhan plot or, or whatever he's trying to get at. I haven't heard the phrase Wuhan virus in a long time, I gotta say. Like, 
that rhetoric seemed to have gone away a little bit from at least what I heard. Well, yeah, because it's kind of hard to push the like China created this virus in a bio lab theory while you're also trying to say that this virus is a nothing burger and we overreacted to it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of hard to like hold those two at the same time, but they still try. They still seem to believe both, even though they seem to be contradictory. <laughs> yep. Because you can just say whatever now. That They could have done that segment that we just covered without actually going to the WHO. But they bumped into Tedros. And so now it's like, okay, this is our moment to shine. This is like we're, we're confronting Tedros, the head of the World Health Organization. And so what I'm going to do I don't actually, I'll leave this up to you. We're going to listen to Ezra characterize the interaction of Tamara and Tedros. But I'm giving you the option if you want to see the interaction first before you hear Ezra's sort of description of it, or do you want to hear Ezra's description and then see the video? Uh, let's hear Ezra first. Let's hear Ezra first. Okay, so here is Ezra reacting to the video that we will eventually watch. Look at it again, just as B-roll, without any sound. Fresh-faced, attractive young woman from Canada. Hey, Dr. Tedros, he thinks she's a groupie or a fangirl. And what does he do? He's never met Tamara Ugolini before in his life. And he's about 65. And Tamara Ugolini is a, a, a nice woman with a nice smile. Ask him a question, and he immediately puts his arm around. She didn't say, let's, here, come in close for a, for a selfie. They didn't know each other. He thought she was some group. I, he, he was, I don't, know if we, I don't know if I would call that a grope, but a young woman comes up to you and asks you a question, and your first move as an old, dirty old man is to do the creepy thing and hug her? Like, what are you doing? Have you ever done that in your life? Has a grown woman come up to you and, and, and said something, and your first move is just to, that's a Trudeau move. That's a Bill Clinton creepy move. So what are you expecting to see in this video? <laughs> Is he just going to like reach his hand out to her or something? I don't know. Like, I should also say Ezra talking about Tamara is kind of creepy as well. Yeah. In calling his own colleague like an attractive, fresh-faced young woman well, is just a... Uh... His employee, not yes, his colleague. Sorry. Yeah. Employee. And like Menzies does this shit. Like Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, let's watch the video. So here's the video. This is uh this is everything that Ezra just described. Okay. Mr. Tedros, how are you? How are you, Mr. Tedros? <laughs> if you could do lockdowns again, would you would you do that? If you could do lockdowns again, would you support them? I'm sorry. What? Mr. Tedros, if you could do lockdowns again, would you support them? That's what you get for unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. Like he did put his arm like on her back or something, which seems a little bit uncomfortable. To me, if if I was being honest, it seemed more to me that it's a crowded room with a lot of people talking. And it seemed to be one of those moves where he got closer to her to hear what she was saying and like put his arm like if you're moving in close to someone, it was just like he put his arm sort of on her shoulder. Like it looked very 
like the way Ezra was describing it, it was like hugging and groping and like this is a groupie, like a groupie of yours that you're going to take a selfie with. And it's like none of those vibes ring true to me, you know. At the at the very worst, what you could say is he just creepily put his arm around her. But even then, it was like I've seen creepy people put their arms around people. <laughs> I did not get the same like vibes from that interaction. Yeah, like, like it did seem a little bit too close for comfort, but also, yeah, yeah, like, I don't know, like, it was not what Ezra was making it out to be, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you could say something about, like, getting into someone's space and all that kind of things, and I'm not gonna take away anyone's, like, personal experience of that or whatever, but, like, it's funny hearing it from Ezra, too, because you don't hear from Tamara that she was uncomfortable with that interaction. And even later in the week, like, Ezra speaks to Tamara, and she doesn't bring it up as, like, an uncomfortable interaction. All this seems to be coming from is Ezra's, like, retelling of what happened here. And again, they're not talking about anything that actually happened at the WHO. Just yeah. just like the fact that the dude, uh, the lawyer pushed them outside the Ottawa... Uh, emergencies act inquiry these these are their stories nowadays you you sent people all the way to berlin to get the one shot of you berating tedros as he gently puts his arm around you yeah just like nothing donate the money (laughs) yeah it's just yeah it's just amazing that this is this is their journalism this is uh this is what it is and it's gonna continue because this is their next mission If you can believe it, we have more adventures to come and we have two journalists winging their way now to the capital of Argentina, Buenos Aires, because they are going to a meeting of a group called C40 Cities. What is C40 Cities? Well, let me quote from their webpage. A global network of mayors taking urgent action to confront the climate crisis and create a future where everyone can thrive. So they're meeting in Buenos Aires. Do you like the fact that your mayors are getting instructions in a foreign country far away from any public scrutiny? This is not how you do democracy. I mean, the whole point of a local government is that it's local. I remember one of the uh, complaints by the 13 colonies that broke away from the UK is that the decisions were made by a distant and partisan king. They wanted to be ruled by local people, not someone half a planet away, the true globalist, the emperor. But this C40 meeting in Buenos Aires, they're taking mayors, including Canadian mayors, they're taking them down to Buenos Aires and they're having meetings. I'm not going to call them all secret because not all of them are secret, but they're, there are no Canadian reporters there other than us. The transcripts are not published. Uh, there's all sorts of lobbying going on. And what on earth are our mayors doing in Buenos Aires instead of making rules up here? Whose agenda are they following? Since when does a mayor need to go to a foreign foreign country to get instructions? Well, look at their funders. Follow the money. There are some other governments involved. Why should a foreign government pay to lobby our Canadian mayors? That's weird. There's other lobby groups. Look at that. The Open Societies Foundations. That's George Soros. Look at that. Novo Nordisk. That's a vaccine company. They say they have a, quote, global agenda. And they're very blunt the climate extremism a transition off of fossil fuels so yes this is a conference in buenos aires 
about climate stuff for mayors. That's, <laughs> that's like, all that damn. Says. City leaders might want to learn from one another and No, that's globalism. You know, learning their experiences and other <laughs> Learning is a global threat, you know? The acknowledgement that prob the same problems happen around the globe. Using the word globe. No, it's local. So if you go outside of your local vicinity to learn how to do things, you're now a globalist shill. That's <laughs> Why is our mayor going to meet with other mayors of other cities in Canada? Shouldn't he stay local? You know what I love, too? As far as I'm aware, there's only three Canadian cities that are involved in this conference. Can you guess what those three cities are? Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Like, no shit. Are you are you worried about John Tory going to Venice, Buenos Aires, and learning about the globalist agenda to fix climate? <laughs> God damn it! <sighs> like I just don't I don't see John Tory uh, doing it. And the new mayor of Vancouver is like a conservative, so it's like I, I don't know. You know, how was that gonna go? It's just so silly. So, like, again, they're probably going to send reporters out there, report nothing about the meeting, but they'll get one clip of one of them yelling at a mayor going, why are you connected to George Soros? That's my prediction. I'm. That's <laughs> probably what we're going to get. My prediction is that we're going to see photos of them at the Kyle Rittenhouse Cultural Center that's in Buenos Aires. Uh, that was recently raided after the attempted assassination of the Argentinian vice president by one of its members. There's a Kyle Rittenhouse memorial in Argentina. Cultural center, not memorial. Cultural center. Yes, it is a meeting place. For, for the Argentinian culture? <laughs> that is Kyle Rittenhouse? For, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it is a, like, political and cultural, like, event center that is named in honor of Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, no, what's happening? What is, what is happening in our world? Yeah. <laughs> but they're definitely going to go visit that. Like, Dear Lord. If it's, if it's still around. It did get, like, raided by the anti-terrorism police in Argentina after the failed assassination of the vice president. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it, All right. rough. Yeah, so that's, uh, that ends this day. <laughs> but, uh... He ends with an interview with Aaron Gunn, who I think ran as a candidate for the leader of the BC Liberals. I don't think he won, but he's mainly on to discuss the recent uh, municipal elections in BC. And he, again, is super happy that the conservative won the mayoral race of Vancouver. And he sells it that he has this like unbelievably strong mandate even though it was the lowest turnout in like Vancouver's history. So but it's the strongest mandate that anyone could ever have. So now we move on to the 18th and Ezra spends most of the episode upset with Australian subway advertisements that promote combating misinformation and he's specifically bad because these advertisements are from the UN and promote that you get vaccinated. So of course he's like this is tyranny. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. And Ezra eventually takes on one of the points highlighted by these ads, such that the vaccine is not experimental. 
And Ezra does his own sort of like debunking of their claim to try to prove that the vaccine is experimental. But he has, he debunks it so hard. So let's just uh, get right into it. Sure. So I clicked on their truth link. This is the guy the UN says we should believe because he's verified. And I got this page. So I'm following the UN's advice. And I came to this page. Banned sites and pro-Russian networks are driving anti-Pfizer vaccine disinformation. Highly misleading articles framing Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine as an unsafe experiment for guinea pigs were spread across both fringe and mainstream social media platforms. I'll read some more. Two, deplatform disinformation websites and key players within Russia's disinformation and propaganda ecosystem are largely behind the false narrative on fringe platforms that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is experimental and its recipients are guinea pigs. Collectively, they facilitated the spread of the experimental narrative across multiple languages and larger social networks. The narrative now exists alongside and feeds into other misinformation narratives surrounding the mRNA-based vaccine. Well, I, I should tell you that Pfizer's drug is experimental. That is not a, up for debate. That's a fact. That's why it needs the emergency use authorization. It hasn't finished its clinical trials. Normally, drugs don't get to the market for years. They have to be tested. Now, people aren't really becoming guinea pigs. That's an animal. Uh, but it's a, it's a metaphor because guinea pigs are often used to test drugs on before they're tested on humans. So, of course... We're not actually guinea pigs, but it's a turn of a phrase. To be a guinea pig means to have something tested on you. It's obviously a fair comment because these drugs have not finished their clinical trial. I never... People I are never not actually do... guinea pigs, yeah. I thought... Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were they were shrinking, they were growing hair. And I was like, that's not happening. That didn't happen to me when I got a vaccine. But no, it... Apparently, it's a metaphor. I didn't. I couldn't have known. <laughs> I feel like he's saying we we were we were guinea pigs to begin with, or or is it that you get the vaccine and you become a guinea pig? Well, that's what I thought would happen, but since apparently it's a metaphor, we don't. Act, that doesn't actually happen. We're just like being treated as if we were guinea pigs or something. I don't. I don't know. It's pretty complex and like high level <laughs> thinking. Um, I I'm having difficulty wrapping my head around it. I think the guinea pigs were the friends we made along the way. You know. Yeah. <laughs> weak, 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 as they say. I I should just add the the vaccines have passed their emergency use. Uh, they're now passed all their tests and have gotten their official stamp of approval. So he's just wrong on the face of it. But then, like, yeah, I love, like, to debunk the claim that these aren't experimental vaccines. He spends all the time just talking about whether guinea pigs is a metaphor. Cool, dude. <laughs> debunk the important stuff. Because everyone in his audience, you know, were confused. We're not really guinea pigs? <laughs> I could have sworn I was actually a furry rodent. How did I mess this up? Could have never known without him. Yeah, like his audience I needed, would have been I lost. needed Ezra to explain that to us. Like, do you think like that's a a part of him is acknowledging like how uh, stupid his audience is that he? <laughs> Some of them are a little confused and might actually think that they're guinea pigs. And if it's not for me spelling it out to them that it's actually a metaphor, they wouldn't grasp it. So they need me. <laughs> they need me to tell them the truth. 
a lot of a lot of Ezra's followers are just crawling around on all fours. <laughs> what? It is still gay. No wait. In his studio, there's just a bunch of guinea pigs, and he's actually trying to convince them that they're people. <laughs> you just see Menzies crawl back. Crawl behind the camera on all fours. Oh, good God. <laughs> well, that was that day. That's pretty much all he has to say about these stupid subway advertisements. So it's great. This is like, you know, I'm so glad Rebel is on the case. Uh, one, one. These are Australian, like like metro systems right yes. not not like uh, the subway the sandwich, sandwich franchise no. <laughs> little that's disappointing subways. yeah yeah okay we could uh, subway sandwich ad sponsored by the un yeah. have you <laughs> have you considered that this is misinformation i consider it while eating a meatball sub at subway <laughs> greatest advertising have you been craving ever? a lot of veggies lately don't worry, you're not a guinea pig. <laughs> Veggies were not created by George Soros. <laughs> Contrary to belief. That's just Russian disinformation. God. But no, that's it. And then, uh, so the interview half of this day is with Andrew Lawton. And again, in terms of the emergency act inquiry, you know, you're hoping that they're going to say something of worth, but the whole show is pretty much just to hype up Andrew's book on the, the trucker convoy. And the only thing I think that's like worth commenting on is they both say that the emergency act was not necessary because this would have ended peacefully. And I'm just like, I don't even know what that means. Right. Cause like they, they almost imply that if like they just let the truckers be there doing their occupation that it would have come to some sort of natural conclusion. But I'm like, what would that conclusion have been? Because it's like the goals set forward by the people in the convoy was to get Trudeau to step down. So if true and Trudeau wasn't going to step down. So how does this end peacefully? It just lasts forever until Trudeau gets elected out of office. Like, I don't know. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Truckers forever. <laughs> For all time. Ottawa becomes Trucktopia. They rename it. <laughs> it's peaceful, though. That's true. Everybody's deaf, so you can't even hear the honky anymore. Like, it's fine. It's never been more The peaceful. streets are so dirty that, like, you can't even see the piss and shit. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the future we could have had. Frankly, I like the name Trucktopia better than Ottawa. <laughs> Jody. Unless they, they Trucktopia brought to you by Ford. <laughs> it sponsored the whole city. Yeah. You know, I'm, I think I'm buying into this. Why? I think we're going to do a heel turn. <laughs> We're now the trucker 24-7 pro-freedom, pro-patriot hour. <laughs> Bringing it to you from the heartland of southern Ontario. <laughs> We're giving you news from the trucker empire. Oh, dear lord. So we get to October 19th. 
And Ezra spends his time talking about a New York Times poll where people are critical of Biden and mainstream media. And Ezra likes it, even though he is aware that it's a New York Times poll. Because they're, they're the bad mainstream media that everyone hates. True. And then I'm like, but if you hate them so much because they lie, why would they print a poll saying that other people think that they lie and publicly announce it to everyone? I don't know. Sounds fishy. Something's fishy. Mm. We then get David Menzies doing the interview segment, and it's because he went to two protests in Richmond Hill. The one is a was a protest against a couple of the city councilors there prior to the municipal election. And it seems like the the city councilor they were protesting did have a lot of like shady background deal stuff. Uh and so I'm just like, I don't care. Sure, yeah, this person seems bad. Cool, cover it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they won or lost, and I didn't do any follow-up, but uh, yeah, cool. The other protest yeah. in Richmond Hill that was weird, though, was I guess the previous city council, because now it's changed, obviously. We just had a municipal election. But they had, like, a farm ta- or a tax on stormwater that they increased. What does that mean? So the the tax so the stormwater is collected by the municipality and yeah. then so like if you get that water to use for your farming you have to pay like a fee to use it. That sounds like a bad deal. Well the fee is supposed to just pay for the maintenance of the like stormwater facility etc, right? Mhm. But the thing is if you know anything about Richmond Hill and I was trying to look at it there's very few farms now. And that's part of it because Richmond Hill is basically suburbs of Toronto at this point as Toronto continues to expand north. And so it's like there's fewer farms to support the infrastructure that goes into the stormwater collection. So therefore, the city felt that it needed to raise the taxes to pay for the maintenance of the the stormwater. Now, I don't have... You know, I I don't have evidence to prove whether that's needed or not, or like, you know, I'm not paying attention to Richmond Hill city politics. But it is interesting to me that there was like only one farmer that seems to be the main instigator of these protests, and it doesn't seem like he has a lot of support from the other farmers. So I'm not sure what the hell's going on. (laughs) But he's, he's out there protesting, and David, and I feel like Rebel News is covering it, mainly because it has the anti-tax element. But then it mm-hmm. also has the like farmers are good, rural rural Canada versus the city kind of vibe to it. It is weird because that is kind of just like austerity on the city's part. You know, it's passing on the like cost of infrastructure to people who are reliant on the infrastructure rather than just like, you know, raising business taxes or like whatever to do it because it's like you know yeah if you have a couple farmers and they're reliant on this infrastructure and then you're just like hey you're gonna have to pay way more for that infrastructure it's like you know at that point they might as well just like sell their land and do elsewhere and it's like i mean that could be what they're trying to do which also like i wouldn't say that that's great either right but uh yeah but i also don't know all the facts on the ground because it's like again it is weird to me that it seems to be this one guy who's complaining and i don't know if like part of that is because some like 
it seemed to me like some of the other farms don't solely rely on this input, but this one farmer does. And so it's like oh. his taxes shot way up, but theirs didn't or something like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's one of these things, but like, it's just interesting to me of like how like David Menzies, like how does Rebel News get involved in this when it seems to be predominantly one farmer that's like the media highlight. And then I found that like the articles written, so there was like one in the Hamilton Spectator, just like one in this like Richmond Hill sort of like local newspaper. And it was all the same like article. Like it was one of those ones that like gets written and then shopped around to like the various like local newspapers. Yeah. And all from the the perspective of that one farmer who's the leader of the, the protest. And so it's just like something about it strikes me as weird. I just can't put my like finger on it, you know? Yeah. And the fact that they knew to contact Rebel News to cover their wonderful Yeah, see, like, <laughs> like that's the problem, right? Like it's, it's one of those like, yeah, the city politicians probably suck. And then also the farmer in this case also sucks. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, this is this is the thing. This is why municipal elections, they're important. Uh, and it's a little too late to have that message since uh, we had one of the lowest turnouts in Ontario history for our municipal elections. So that's fun. Woohoo. But that ends the 19th. We get to the 20th and Ezra is complaining that Danielle Smith bent the knee about vaccines. And this is because she retracted a statement where she said that the unvaccinated are the most discriminated group in Canada currently. And people complained, and she was like, I'm sorry, uh, I realized that that ignores the history of racial discrimination in this country. Uh, and she walked it back. And so Ezra is now like, this is proof that Danielle Smith is going to bend the knee to the corpos and the media, and like she's going to be a, a victim of the media party just like Jason Kenney was, and he's starting to fear monger now. So, yay, I guess. <laughs> Woohoo. I mean, if anything, it's it's uh, people were joking that Daniel Smith is going to be like the next Liz Truss and it's not going to last very long and uh, she's going to be out of power. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The, the other thing, I guess the other thing Daniel Smith like walked back had something to do with comments on the Ukraine conflict. And I yeah. just want to highlight that it was weird because Ezra, in responding to Daniel Smith, Say, says that he actually takes the Kissinger line, which is like to fight for peace. I guess Henry Kissinger came out to say that like we need peace to this conflict or something. And uh, the thing that's like weird to me is Kissinger is also supposed to be a part of their global world economic forum conspiracy theory as like a bad guy. And now Ezra is saying, no, he's great because he doesn't want war in Ukraine and he wants like a current piece where Ukraine gives up some territory. So I don't know. It's like, it's again, it's one of those things where it's like, regardless of what you think of the situation, it's weird that Ezra is like Kissinger boo. When he's like associated with world economic forum stuff, but then it's like Kissinger. Yay. When he agrees with Ezra on like one talking point where Kissinger should always be in the boo category. No matter, mm -hmm. no matter what he's currently doing, he should be in that boo category. Oh, yeah. Like, the worst of dudes. But then we get an interview with Tamara about what happened to Tedros. And again, they talk about absolutely nothing. So we'll move on to the 21st, the Friday. 
And Ezra wants to discuss a CBC article which highlighted a bunch of anti-trans school board trustees for the then-upcoming Ontario municipal elections. So we'll see how Ezra frames this article. If you had nearly 10,000 staff working at your news agency and a budget of over a billion and a half dollars, what would you shine a light of scrutiny on? I mean, that's really the job of the media is to shine the light into dark places and see what's going on. Well, this is <laughs> this headline I saw on the CBC. CBC investigates, that's the very, it's even above the headline. So the, this is their crack investigative squad. Now they're not speaking truth to power. They're not investigating Justin Trudeau or for example, who got all that Arrive Can app money. They're not doing that. They're not speaking truth to power. They're speaking power to truth. Look at that headline. Scores of anti-trans candidates running in Ontario school board elections. And then under that, they say, with support from several conservative groups. Oh, they're the worst. Some candidates are vowing to end inclusive sex education. Now, we're not even into the story yet. And do you see the spin and even the lies? Are they really anti-trans candidates are they really are these people who say i hate trans people i don't like or are they people who say you know what my child is in grade one my child is six we don't need to teach my child the six genders which by the way is the law right now in ontario are you anti-trans if you say hey how about lay off the kids how about don't talk about sexuality heterosexuality or homosexuality or any kind of sexuality they are children are you an anti-trans person and in that line, inclusive sex ed. Why are you talking about those subjects to children of tender years? I mean, like, yes, it is transphobia that you, you think it's bad to teach children age-appropriate sex education. Also, like, also, yes, these people were saying I hate trans people. Like, yeah, <laughs> true. A lot of them weren't denial about that like but you're not doing what ezra does which is just to cross your arms and go were they those cbc were they yeah i do love that he brought back power to truth which is something that he said once a while ago and i thought it was the funniest thing ever because it doesn't make any fucking sense and he it remained in his head long enough that he's like i'm gonna bring it back they're not speaking truth to power they're speaking power to truth it's one of those things yeah. where it like sounds super deep, but it's completely fucking meaningless. And yes, like these these people were hateful. Uh, they're really shitty. But he goes on. He says the CBC reporters simply did a Google search and just found people they didn't like and called them mean. From my understanding is they got some of this information directly from Anti-Hate Canada that did more than a simple Google search on uh, these people. Yeah. And Ezra says they should uh, focus instead on the Oakville teacher rather than these anti-trans school board people. So I do love that, like, part of it is to go, you know, none of these people are transphobic. But what they should focus on is this issue that transphobic people have been, like, really hitting on really hard. Uh, like them. They've been doing nothing but cover that story. And, of course, we've talked ad nauseum about it, so we don't need to go into any more details about it. But, uh yeah ezra then promotes libs of tiktok and he plays a clip of muslims in dearborn michigan protesting against trans groomers and this is another clip that's been like making the rounds and it's uh it's just tragic uh but again 
Ezra's using it to point out that it's not just Christians that are are mad about these, like, quote-unquote grooming bills. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's conservative religious people in all religions. Great. Like, what what an insight. (laughs) What an insight. And I don't even, like, it's weird to, like, I don't, like, I don't even understand the point from their perspective of why they want to pull it up unless they're trying to score some sort of, like, oh, lefties are supposed to like Muslim people, so look, even people you support are protesting this thing or something. Like, I'm not sure, like, what else is the point for them to bring this up? Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But, you know, I, I am still terrified of the, like, if the right wing decides to tone down the Islamophobia a little bit and then just, like, get all the conservative Muslims on board. Because, like, before 9-11, you know, a lot of American Muslims voted Republican, um, uh, Arab Americans in particular, because they saw themselves in that party, you know? They were just like, oh, different different religion, but still, like, good old family values. And, like, you know, same with the conservatives here, right? Like, it's it's just going to take, like, a little bit of, twi- of twisting and then conservative religious people of all stripes will be able to vote for you know right-wing parties because yeah like you know with his andrew tate shit too i don't know if you've seen that yeah jordan peterson is another one of just yeah well but andrew tate converted jordan peterson has not converted yet andrew tate converted okay i didn't know that. you didn't know that no oh yeah that's been a whole thing lately um and like yeah though you know the Muslim fanboys are just like, yeah, welcome to the faith, brother. You know, like, yeah, we're you're all 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 of your beliefs were already so Muslim and like that kind of shit. Where it's just like, you know, yeah. The only reason I brought up Jordan Peterson because I remember you telling me that he appeals to a lot of conservative Muslims as well, and so it's like, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know. However, he converted. Yeah. He stormed Peterson oh, yeah. stormed Al-Aqsa recently, so like, I'm hope I'm hoping people are a little <laughs> bit more shaky on him. I don't trust them to be though because they will they will throw Palestine under the bus for, you know, for those yeah, online right-wing figures. It's it's just sad. I that like, you know, I don't want this to be picking up any steam at all. So you know, I don't I don't want to see any group protesting these quote-unquote uh, groomer legislation which is basically just te- teaching people sex education needed and necessary sex education but as ezra then speculates on what effect this article is going to have so let's uh hear him talk about that the cbc is really engaging not in journalism but in cancel culture they're trying to name and shame these candidates i think it's going to have the opposite effect actually i think a lot of people are going to read this and say oh now i know who to vote for now i know who the sane people are i think this is actually going to backfire on the cbc I just wanted to play that because we now have like evidence that it didn't have such effect. Uh, those candidates, most of them lost. So yeah, and that's that's good actually. Uh, even in this low voter turnout, where most of the people who voted were people who were highly motivated to vote, it seems like most of the people were not highly motivated to vote for trans folks. So yeah, at the very least, we could say yay to that. I was I was also kind of a bit worried when that article came out because it it was a little bit too close to being like to playing like both sides type of shit. Um it was not 
like openly condemnatory really yeah yeah no no that's fair uh i mean there's always a worry with that too but like i i think it can at least have an effect of motivating people to more forcefully campaign for the people they do like that aren't transphobes. Yeah. And that's like where you hope there's going to be some effect. And like, as we said, it seems that uh, there was somewhat of a success. You can uh, read a bunch of anti-hate articles on this because they were one of the groups that like really covered this pretty hard and uh, also noted that, uh, again, most of them did not win. So that's good. Yeah. Small mercies. Yeah, <laughs> but then Ezra. So speaking about whether these people are transphobic or not, Ezra actually gets to one of their beliefs, and it has to do with whether or not trans identity is itself a disorder. So he then uh, decides to address a little bit of that. They quote one candidate who says, um, "Who they say compared non-binary genders to a disorder." Well, you know, I, I'm old enough to know that it was just a few years ago that the psychiatric uh, community, they have this, it's called the DSM. It's a book of actual maladies. It lists every syndrome and disease out there. And gender dysphoria was what they called transgenderism until about five minutes ago. And I, like these candidates, I'm not proposing that anyone be mean to anyone, but uh, to, to try to cancel and name and shame parents for uh, for saying what was universally accepted as medical science a decade ago shows how extreme the CBC itself is. This is what they call an investigation, the speaking power to truth. Speaking power to truth. <laughs> but it was not, you like, I mean, that's not even how the DSM is correlated to say that it's, like, universally accepted. Yeah. But even then, like... If you compare it, like, here's the thing is, like, we know, for example, especially when you look at whether or not homosexuality was considered a mental disorder, that, like, it was for a long time. And that partly has to do with, like, again, just generalized homophobia throughout the, the community that affected even scientists, right? Uh, and a similar thing does happen with the with the trans stuff within the DSM, like, in terms of, like, gender dysphoria. But it's like also like it dysphoria might still be a disorder in terms of the DSM, but that's not what like that label itself is not what is trans identity as like the definition of trans identity. It is some kind of thing that causes mental anguish to people who happen to be trans or can be trans because you might not be trans and still have some kind of dysphoria. Yeah, and, and also just like, you know, yes, the DSM is a deeply flawed document, and also, like, you know, it, it's a it's an attempt to describe things based on their symptoms, and grouping symptoms together to call things, like, to have a label to them. You know, it, it's not a be-all, end-all of, like, this is a disease, this is a, like, you know, a curable thing, it's a these sets of symptoms often appear and are grouped under this name. Like, you know, like it, it's a set of symptoms to describe an experience more than a, like, and, you know, just because that's labeled as a disorder doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, like, you know, like it's a difference type of shit, not a, like, 
I don't know. People think that it's it's so like medical and like sciencey in the sense of like you know, like chemistry type of shit where it's like you know, you can you can find the molecule of <laughs> depression right there and whatever. And it's just like that's not how the human mind works. <laughs> like no, I mean like even like with dysphoria, it's like yeah. It's it's something that exists like some on a spectrum. Some people have it worse than others, right? And so it's like this is the thing that I think, for whatever reason, of the way that a lot of people talk about the DSM is like kind of messed up. In that you have some people that talk about it negatively by referring to it as like the Bible of like psychiatry, when it's like when I studied psychology, which is a little different than psychi- psychiatry. Even then, most psychologists did not think of it as a Bible. It's more of like a consensus on how to treat people who are negatively affected by something to do with their mental health and it's like a guidebook to try to help treat people's symptoms or at least identify similar clusters of symptoms like within people right it's supposed to be more of like a helpful guide than anything about like this this is specifically what you are and part of that is because like mental illness is complicated and a lot of people like you know, it's not like you perfectly line up on every symptom and experience the symptoms the same as every other person that has the thing, right? So you're, we're all just trying to like find patterns so we can try to discover ways of helping someone. So it's like mm. there could be like trans people out there that have some degree of dysphoria that they fix themselves and like it doesn't end up bothering their lives. And then they they're not categorized within the DSM. They live their their normal lives, doing their their normal thing, you know. And it's like a disorder is only a disorder if it if it harms you in some way. Like it's it's actually causing like problems in your life. And I should say problems in your life that aren't associated to other people being assholes to you. Because like I think you can say like even being gay might cause like harms to your life. But it has more to do with the fact of like society's like imposing some sort of like negative position on you for being gay rather than the harm coming from being gay itself. Mm -hmm. And like that's the thing is like there's nothing supposed to be in the manual saying that like the harm comes from being gay or being trans. There's nothing like that in the DSM at all. But they want to paint like and and it just works part of it like feeds into the stigmatization of mental health generally to be just like there's something wrong with people with mental health problems so therefore if we could just characterize transness as some sort of mental illness it'll like feed off of the stigmatization that we already have to cast transness into some sort of like negative light when it's like that's that's i mean for one they're using it wrong for two it's like there is nothing wrong with being trans the problem is you, yeah. you transphobic pieces of shit, you know. And I don't think that, like, it's funny for them grasping at this definition because I think there's a lot of people within both the psychiatric uh, institutions as well as in the psychological associations that don't hold the same views that Ezra is trying to use right here. There might be some, like, I'm not, <laughs> I guarantee you, there's probably transphobic people within. Uh, psychology and psychiatry that doesn't surprise me but you know when you look at like psychological associations or any of the medical associations most of them have a a way better view of trans people than the current conservative republican 
consensus on this. Yeah. And on that note, we end the week. Although, I will say that they end on one last thing, which is he gets Brian Peckford back on, again, the ex-premier of Newfoundland, to admit that his case was thrown out. And so his case was trying to fight the government on mandating people having vaccines on airplanes. He was against that. And the government basically took away the vaccine mandates and then said there's no point to your case anymore because we no longer have this policy in place. And the gover- or the courts agreed and were like, no, we're not going to address this. And uh, Brian Peckford then came on to complain to Ezra. It's not fair. <laughs> I I signed the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. How dare they take this away from me is pretty much uh, how that went. So, <sighs> And all I have to say is ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha, Brian Peckford. Enjoy. Why don't you uh, make like uh, Newfoundland's fisheries under your tenure and collapse <laughs> i was gonna say deplete yourself <laughs> mike davis died earlier this week really amazing socialist author uh, historian. So I'm just going to share an article that is um, it's called Read, Read Mike Davis and it just kind of like talks a little bit about his um, life and works. Yeah, he's very, very relevant, very amazing writer. Um, it's a pretty like major loss that he's uh not gonna be putting anything else out anymore uh he wrote a number of um essays since uh covid started as well because uh he had previously written on uh capitalism's like tendencies towards creating plagues (laughs) um and so he like kind of just had a renewed burst of like relevance in like mainstream media uh during that and uh yeah it's it's kind of depressing that he's that he's dead um i'm currently reading uh his book late victorian holocausts about uh el nino famines and how like imperial policy basically like starved tens of millions to death to death in like the 1870s um and yeah, it's it's fucking brutal and it's um difficult to read, but it's also just like very well written and important necessary history in a lot of ways. Uh that wasn't really being written in as like broad of a way until he started doing stuff. But yeah, read the article, um, and then read some Mike Davis too. That's that's what I got this week. Nice. But if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. 
We have a Discord set up and we do Twitch streams and you can find videos on our YouTube and you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And we are going to be running our own subway ads in Toronto in order to debunk some important misinformation out there. So please visit our website, guineapigsareactuallypeople.com, and chip in a few bucks. They get scurvy just like us. I was going to make like a guinea pig sound, but I don't like... (laughs) (laughs) You know? Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.